Good morning, Altoona Regular Baptist Church, and welcome to our YouTube page. Today it's Sunday, April 5th, and this is our morning service. If you have your Bible, I invite you to join me this morning in John chapter 1. John 1. We'll be in the first 18 verses. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you. This week I was really struggling with where to go next. If you remember last week we finished Joshua. A couple weeks ago we finished our morning series through Malachi. And I was really struggling. Where, where do we go next? Do we start a series uh, that will just carry over when we join back together? Do we do something just to, to fill time here in the interim? And I landed on John uh, chapter 1, working our way through John. One of the reasons I landed on John is because of what John is. It's the gospel written by John, and his purpose in writing it is to so show that Jesus is the Son of God. In a time of such uncertainty, what better thing is there to focus on than Jesus, than who he is, who he's always been, the solid rock whom we have in Christ. And so that's what we're going to be looking at as we work our way through the book of John. Join me in John 1. And as I've said every week, I'll invite you again, if you do not have a Bible with you, get up and go and get one. Uh, and, and join us, follow along, as we read the first 18 verses of John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was nothing made that was made. And Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who was in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. As we work our way through these first 18 verses this morning in John, we will see first the Word, who he is, who he's always been in eternity past, and then we'll see the Word made flesh. Let's pray, and then we'll jump right into it. Father, we praise you this morning for who you are. You are the eternal, self-existent, all-powerful God. And yet you are the God who loves us. The God who sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. We praise you this morning for who you are. For your love for us as displayed in the cross. And even this morning as we look at this passage, may your spirit work 
May you move among us. May you accomplish your purpose in us through your word. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the most famous opening lines in literary history are the three words at the beginning of Herman Melville's Moby Dick. Call me Ishmael. These three words beg questions. They pull the reader in. Who is this Ishmael? It betrays his existence before the book and the fact that he's got something to, to tell us. As we come to John 1, John starts in a similar manner. He jumps right in with a bang. He doesn't have time for, for introductions. He jumps right into, in the beginning was the Word. I've titled this sermon The Declaration because that is what the first 18 verses of John are. They're a declaration. They're a declaration of who Christ is and what he's done. It's not a suggestion. John jumps right in. And as we look at this, we see the Word. And the first thing we see in verse 1, the beginning of verse 1, is his pre-existence. In the beginning was the Word. The beginning harkens back to Genesis 1.1, where God created the world. And yet at that time, at the beginning of creation, the Word was. He already was. He was already existing. He was pre-existing creation. These first several words also in, in, introduce us to the Word. He's the focus of these next several verses, the focus of the book of John. In the beginning was the Word. Verse 1 goes on to give us his identity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Just like the word was in that first section, the word with here is a significant little word. It's a word that betrays a relationship, a face-to-face -face relationship. It implies equal standing. Whoever this word was, he was with God. In fact, it goes on to clarify even further, and the word was God. He was with God, that implies equal standing. He was God. That very clearly states he was equal to God. He was the same in essence. And yet, the first verse of John 1 very clearly keeps those lines of the Trinity. Three persons, one God. Same essence. Notice the order of the words. It doesn't say, God was the Word. That would say something different entirely. If John 1 started and said, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and God was the Word. That would tell us that, that the Word is all of God. But it doesn't say that. It says the Word was God. And here we see an implication, the Trinity, three persons, one God, equal in essence. This is who he is. This is his identity. 
He's pre-existent. He is God. It goes on in verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. In the same way as God was, so was the Word. As God existed, so the Word existed. They're eternally connected. So we see His pre-existence, His identity. As we get to verse 3, we see His power. He's Creator. All things were made through Him. It's the Father who initiates creation, but it's the Son who's direct, who is the direct agent of creation. All things were made through Him. And in case you didn't quite catch that, it restates it beyond a doubt at the end of verse 3. Without Him was nothing made that was made. In every act of creation, He was involved. He was the one creating. Verse 4 goes on. His power in creating life, but also His self-existence. Life does not exist outside of Him. No one created Him. He simply was. In Him was life. He's the author of life. All life is given by Him. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. First, in John 1.4, we're introduced to, to two contrasting themes that we'll, we'll see all throughout the book of John. Life contrasted with death, and light contrasted with darkness. Here's our introduction. In Him was life. He's the, the, the Word is the creator of life, the author of life. The word life goes on to be used 36 times in John, far more than any other gospel. Life can refer to physical life. He's the life giver, but it goes beyond that. It refers to spiritual, eternal life. You see that here in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life that is in him, the life that is from him, stands in stark contrast to the darkness of sin and death. That carries forward into verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, did not overcome it, could not. This again, like the first verse of John, harkens back to creation. As the very first words that God speaks in the Bible in Genesis 1-3 is, Let there be light. That's what we see here in verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. Darkness representing sin and death could not overcome light and life. The light and life given by the Word. In the first five verses of John, you see a massive picture of who this powerful God is. He is the Word. He is pre-existent. He is with God. He is God. He is powerful creator. He is self-existent, life-giving Himself. Yes, we come to verses 6 to 18. You see a phenomenal fact. That this word became flesh. First we see the word. As he's always been in eternity past. 
Now as we come to verses 6 to 18, we see the Word made flesh. Here in verses 6 to 9, the first thing we see is his forerunner. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is not John, the one writing the book of John. This is John the Baptist. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. He's coming before. He's a forerunner to testify to the one who is coming. To this end, that all through him might believe. John's purpose, the purpose of this forerunner, is to call others' attention to Christ so that they can trust. So that they can believe. I don't know about you, but I often, as, I, as I've in my life read, read through John, and I come to this first chapter, I'm, I'm quick to skip over the parts about John. I want to hear about the Word. I want to hear about Christ. But I think if we, if we skip over these verses about John, we miss something. We miss a point that, that John, the author here, is trying to make. The whole point that he's making is that Jesus is the Son of God. And if Jesus is the Son of God, if He is the Messiah, if He is who He says He is, then He must have a forerunner. And that's who John is. John is that forerunner. John goes before Him. If there were no forerunner, then He couldn't be who He says He is. Verse 8 is very clear to state that John, he was not that light. He was not the coming one. He is not the Son of God. He is simply the one who goes before. He was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. His forerunner. Secondly, in verses 10 to 13, we see his people. His people. We see two responses in these verses to the Word. In verses 10 to 11, we see rejection. In verses 12 to 13, we see acceptance. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. That's already been established earlier in verse uh, 3. He was in the world, the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Creation does not know its own creator. Not only that, verse 11 goes on, he came to his own. He came into the world that he created, to the people that he created. He came to his own and his own. His own people whom he had called out. His unique people, Israel. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. He was rejected. But the rejection of verses 10 to 11 is contrasted with the acceptance in verses 12 to 13. But, but there were those who did accept. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Notice here the importance of faith. Notice it doesn't say, he came to his own. And because they're his own, he gave them the right to become children of God. 
It doesn't say he, he came to those who were good, and because they were good, he gave them the right to become children of God. The ones who have the right to become children of God are the ones who receive him. It's to them. It's by faith and faith alone. Being one of his own does not qualify you to be a child of God. It's only those who receive him that have that right. Not by works, not by identity, by faith and faith alone. As the last line of verse 12 says, to those who believe in his name. Verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Salvation is God's doing. It's not the doing of the works of man. It's not because of what nation you were born into or what family you were born into. It is God's doing by faith alone. Next we see is incarnation as we come to verses 14 to 15. And the Word became flesh. In case you had missed it up to this point, you had not picked it up somehow, very clearly here it is stated who this Word is. The Word is the one who became flesh. It's the one who dwelt among us. It is Jesus Christ. He became flesh, this eternal, self-existent, creator, powerful God became flesh and dwelt among us. He made his dwelling among us. He pitched his tent among us. He tabernacled among us is the idea. Look back to the picture of the Old Testament tabernacle. The tent where God dwelt among his people, where his presence filled that structure. And so in Christ, the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. The only begotten, the uniquely beloved, like no other. And yet the Father sent him, full of grace and truth. Verse 15, once again, John is bearing witness to him. John, John, the author, wants it to be very clear that this is the one to whom John was pointing. John the Baptist. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This, right here, this word become flesh. This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me. For he was before me, as we saw in John 1.1. He's always been. It's very clearly stated, this is the one for whom John was testifying. His incarnation, as we come to the end, verses 16 to 18, his purpose. Why? Why would this eternal, powerful, self-existent God, why would he step into time? Why would he become flesh? Look with me here, and of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. Grace replacing grace. An abundance overflow of grace is what he brought. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Just a few months ago as a church we worked our way through Galatians. We saw the purpose of the law. It was never salvation. 
The law reveals the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. But Jesus displays God's grace. Not only does he display God's grace, he loudly declares God's grace. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten, uniquely beloved Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, again, talking about that close, uniquely close relationship that he has with God the Father, he has declared him. Why would he do this? What was his purpose in coming and taking on flesh? To make known the grace of God. To declare Him. To reveal God to us. John MacArthur explains it this way, all that Jesus is and does interprets and explains who God is and what God does. That's His purpose. That's why He came. To bring the grace of God. To bring salvation. So we come to a conclusion. One commentator said this, A word is the expression of a person who seeks to communicate with others. The word, Jesus Christ, God's expression or revelation, is God's expression or revelation to man. And he ends with this, And a word presupposes a response. As we come to the end of these 18 verses, I would call you to a response this morning. See, John has very clearly laid out a case for who Jesus is. As you come to the end of these 18 verses, John's not hiding anything. He's laid it all out on the table. This is where I'm going in this gospel. I want you to know from the beginning who the Word is, who Jesus Christ is, and what He has done. And how you can be saved. And the question at the end of these 18 verses that we must consider, must be honest with ourselves and answer, is how have I responded to this Jesus? To this Word made flesh? John has very clearly laid out all the facts. Jesus is the Son of God. At the end of these 18 verses, you have to come to either one of the two conclusions. Jesus is who he said he was, or he's a fraud. John's going to go on in the next several chapters of the book of John to continue to build that case that Jesus is the Son of God. But why wait? I would call you this morning, turn to Christ. Turn from your sins and trust in the one made flesh for you. As we see in verse 12, as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become sons of God. Even this morning you can receive him. Will you turn from your sins and turn to Christ? Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we praise you this morning for who you are. We praise you for your son, Jesus Christ, who you sent for us. 
We praise you for Jesus, the Word, a self-existent, creating, powerful God who became flesh for us, who has revealed to us the abounding grace of God. May we this morning respond to that grace. If there's anyone listening to my voice this morning who has not turned from their sin and turned to Christ, may today be the day that they turn and embrace Christ, that they trust, that they believe, not in their works, not in their family, not in their, their, their privilege or their wealth or whatever it may be, but in Christ and Christ alone. Pray that you'd be honored in all that we do. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.